felt like you were being chased That what was after you Just wouldn't leave Have you ever stared at the fears You couldn't face Dying me down Other days I'm hiding in a dark hole But I keep on running Thinking he'll never find me out But I'm looking back Hoping he'll grab hold, grab hold of me and discipline me like a spoiled child. Grab hold of me, tie me up, keep me from running wild. I might come scratching and kicking There's a chance I may even lose some blood But the true danger in this selfish way of living Is I love it so much I may never forget enough Today I'm running from all of the things tying me down but by tomorrow, I'll be hiding in a darkened hole. Yeah. So I'm gonna keep on running, thinking he'll never find me out. But I'm looking back, hoping he'll grab hold, grab hold of me, discipline me like a spoiled child, grab hold of me, tie me up, keep me from running wild, grab hold of me, and otherwise Otherwise I'll never tire Grab hold of me I don't care if I get burned by the fire Oh, 
Airing from the No Sponsorship Studios, this is Buddy Walk with Jesus, where real life and the kingdom of God connect. Now, your hosts, Joe and Edgar. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to come into your presence. Father, we ask that you would reveal yourselves to reveal yourself to us, that we would be able to hear clearly the things you want us to learn and grasp and understand. You are wonderful, and we just pray right now that we would realize that we'd put aside whatever today held, good and bad, and just come to listen to you. Father God, I pray that your words push forward your kingdom. Father, that it would be forceful and, and invite us and engage us and even at times challenge us and disorient us, Father. We thank, for, thank you for your word is holy. You are holy and you call your people to be holy. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, what is up? Welcome back to Buddy Walk with Jesus. As always, as we get started, we want you guys to know two things that you are prayed for and that you are loved deeply. A uh, quick reminder here at the top to check out uh, buddywalkwithjesus.com. There you'll be able to find our merch store. You'll be able to find our Patreon if you'd be so uh, be so interested in supporting the ministry. Um, there's tons of great offerings for the different levels, um, as well as the link for our Discord server uh, to be able to come engage with other believers. There's some great conversations that goes on, that goes on over there as well as our uh, the email address for our prayer team, prayer at buddywalkwithjesus.com. Um, do not hesitate to reach out if you're looking for some prayer. So for the next couple of weeks, there's going to be some connective tissue that these topics have. Specifically, that these are some of the more, let's say, controversial topics within Christianity that tend to elicit passionate opinions and responses because they're so closely tied into personal issues and personal beliefs and long-held thinking. This week, we're going to be discussing something that's rife in the human condition, and that is judgment. It's hard not to say that we live in incredibly divided times. We've talked about the different aspects of that over the last year and addressing the variety of ways that humans are divided right now. You could blame it on media, you could blame it on social media, the pandemic, you could even blame it on, you've even got people blaming it on rock and roll music and the end times. Regardless, it feels like there are things that are just reaching a fever pitch right now. But here's the thing, judgment far outdates us. We can see biblical accounts dating back to early man that show that humans are prone to casting judgments on people that do things differently than they do, think things differently than they do. Humans have known tribalism long before the potential echo chambers of social media ranting. I'll be honest with you guys. The concept I was the one that brought forward the idea for the next couple of episodes and the concept for this episode started from a place of me being let's call it passionate and let's call it opinionated 
about some of the things that I've seen and heard over the last year plus from the point where I had suggested these episodes, other topics came up, life came up, and it kept getting pushed back until now. And in that time, it gave an opportunity for God to step in and show me that what would have amounted to a hit piece on the shortcomings of humanity over the last year serves zero purpose and does nothing to point people to God. If anything, quite the opposite, which wasn't easy for me because when this started, that's exactly what I wanted. I wanted to approach this from a 2020-2021 kind of lens. It's like we've talked about before, guys. We're a couple of average Joes that have been called to getting in front of a microphone. We talk about this stuff, but we're still human too. We still struggle with things all the same, so we're in this together. That's why we're so adamant on telling you guys that you don't have to be this special, extraordinary person in order to get in front of the microphone or to dissect the word of God. Shifting gears for a minute to my opinion, I think that there's a few I think that there's a few issues at play here as to why judgment can be such a confusing topic for so many people. Judgment is closely associated with our own personal view of justice, which is going to come up again in this conversation. It's also something that we can easily become impassioned about. It's tied to very personal things. And humans can fall into the trap of seasoning their teachings and their belief systems on justice and on judgment with their own flavoring. A quick example, I was listening to a podcast the other day and the guest kept talking about meditating on God, meditating on God's word, the idea that you're reading God's word in an experiential kind of way while practicing breathing exercises with the goal being that you are calmed and put into a better place for receiving God's word. Now, I notice as I'm listening to this, I got really put off by the word meditation being used repeatedly, namely because I know several people who practice meditation in the spiritual sense. And I know that it's something that's made its way into the Christian lexicon in the modern day. And I have to admit, it's a message that I wouldn't have necessarily given a second thought to if there was different language used. So it's not always giant and glaring. A lot of times, this is a lot more subtle than that. So it seems like this topic is better served looking past the surface layer and into the deeper roots. All right, y'all, now a quick show of hands. How many people started quoting Matthew as soon as I started talking about judgment? It's the number one quoted judgment verse that's, that's out there. Judge not lest ye be judged. That's one of those verses I grew up hearing as a kid in the church. So the good old KJV version is kind of seared into my memory. I'm not sure I could quote a different version. Now, I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek here, but this is a common place for this conversation to begin and end. By quoting Jesus' words in Matthew. This is one of those unfortunate byproducts of soundbite theology. It's really... 
easy to present something in that way and lose its original context and meaning. A lot of times, this verse is taught to be kind of a blanket statement. Don't judge others, which can be rooted in part of what this verse is getting at, but you lose something when you try to shorthand scripture, especially here where there's a lot to impact. Okay, Matthew 7, 1 through 5 says, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite! First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see enough, well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So here is this kind of thing of you're looking at a person and judging them while the same thing is occurring to a much greater degree in your own life. And this is something that's true of a, of a lot of people. We're, we're not self-aware. Um, generally, like we'll have someone who, who loves us tell us, did you realize you said that in the wrong way? No, I didn't. What, what, what do you think I said? Well, this is what you said, and this is how it came across. And then you realize that is what you said. So sometimes we can be distant from what I'm saying. But I, and I, I'll address, what I find a little comical here is that if you are trying to take out that tiny speck in your brother's eye and you have a log in your own eye that you have not removed, you wind up banging him in the head with that eye, that plank moving around, hitting him on the head while you're trying to get in there. So to me, it strikes me as a little comical. So what, what happens is I recall the verse because it's a little, it's not the word insane, it's a little crazy for you to try to do something at which you have an issue with yourself. Let's take for a second, um, control. You know, most people don't talk about control like being a sin, controlling other people, manipulation, all that kind of stuff. You know, you're trying to get somebody to behave in a certain way and you, you, and you think they're controlling. Like you could see this parents telling other parents how to parent you know, but they do the same thing with their kids, or maybe to a greater degree. Maybe the parent will say, well, you know, you really need to spend more time with your son so that he can be a godly man. But yet he's out going ministering with the other fellas and running church groups and everything and neglecting his own son, but he's doing it for the kingdom. So there's a kind of that weird thing going on. I, I, I'm using something that's commonplace in Christian society. So God values family most important. As a matter of fact, it's the first institution he created with Adam and Eve. So what happened, what we're looking at here, this judgment is specific. And I'll get to the other types later. This judgment is specific. It is putting somebody else down. But on top of that, something that you're not willing to change in your own life. And we've seen this and we've covered it in a couple of episodes, but when a, a leader is in a failed state telling other people to be um, sexually moral, but yet they are hiding the skeleton in their own closet. I mean, all of us are familiar with situations like this. 
and everything. Um, so when with this type of judgment, what we wind up doing without realizing is we we counter the kingdom of God. And what do I mean by that? Well, here, what happens if the person being judged see that he's being called out by something the, the other person is doing bigger and worse, and it's supposed to be a person who is more, I'm going to sanctify. It doesn't mean that he's a leader or somebody, you know, holy. Then they start to think there's a distance. There's, Wait a minute. He's doing this to me, but I know what he's doing. Now, am I in the wrong thing? Do I need to give this up? I mean, is this what this is all about? Uh, and so there's this weird kind of thing that can go on. And I'm saying this in a long way and not in a very well way. Is When we do this kind of judgment, we can damage the other person. And it's up to God to repair that. Because we may do it in a way where we can't repair it ourselves or we can't. There isn't a way we can do it humbly um, enough to get the person to hear what's what we mean to say. Um, a lot of times when we want to act, when we want to do it humbly, we don't do it in the essence of Christ. We don't treat it with humbly. We'll, we'll say, you know, I did that and then try to uh, rationalize it or justify it. Um, with a with the, the word you know i was wrong when i did that but yeah and everybody knows when someone apologizes and then they say but the apology is really to keep you still so they can get the the other part in okay so i wanted to see what the actual definition of judgment was webster webster's defines judgment as an opinion or decision that is based on careful thought the act or process of, of forming an opinion or making a decision after careful thought. The act of judging something or someone. The ability to make good decisions about what should be done. I think it's safe to say for most people the mental image of a judge in a courtroom comes to mind here. Waiting to hear from the person with the final word on the situation. That's the exact posture that we need to have with God. Scripture makes it very clear. There is one supreme judge of all, the Lord God. And that he alone has the authority to determine right and wrong motives and behaviors. From our perspective, we only get part of the story. We only get part of the picture. Like Edgar said before, there's different types of judgment. Now, this conversation tends to start with, as Edgar put it, behavior modification type judgment, which is why we started with Matthew 7. So when it comes to giving motivations to actions or judging a person's heart or worse, their status with God, you take that partial perspective and you couple it with the fact as humans by default we're flawed so our natural born compass for right and wrong is off which i know is a conversation unto itself that we're not going to go down that rabbit trail right now regardless that makes for a less than adequate to say the very least barometer 
that is simply put never can serve as the compass for right and wrong flawless judgment and justice are his not ours so the only criteria of right and wrong that's applicable is what comes from god that's where intimacy with god and biblical foundation like we always talk about come in we serve a god that provides us with his character we don't have to guess about who god is we can and are encouraged into active relationship with him and he provides us with truth and kingdom guidelines we can see a person's actions and yes there is room in this conversation for the fruit of the spirit that will be present when honestly seeking Jesus, which is something that we're going to touch on in a couple of minutes. But ultimately, we don't know a person's heart and our mission and call stays exactly the same regardless. The gospel message never changes. It's important to understand the concept of judgment. Now, Adam and Eve existed before the fall, which everyone knows. But in the beginning, the first words of judgment were from God. That he saw that the light was good. He made that judgment. He did it in the right way. He did it to edify. And then Adam, before Eve, talked with God. There's no recorded words of this conversation, but he made a judgment as to what animals would be called. So there's different types of judgments or uses of judgment, however you want to think about it, that move things forward. As you get into, and I don't know if this is a good point to talk about the later verses in this chapter, we see that there's other things where we're to, we are to judge. The Bible talks about, after this, there's the issue with false um, teachers and false prophets. You have to know when they're off, and you have to make a judgment, a discernment. This is not the same thing I see here. We're not judging someone who's doing something wrong and malicious or to hurt. We're seeing somebody who's demeaning someone that they they should be loving. This one is more about behavior modification, if I can use that. You know, don't do that. You're not expressing love. As a matter of fact, if you looked at your own life, the reality might make you feel bad. And the other ones are talking about, be careful of these people. There are times that God calls us to discern others' actions. Hebrews 5.14 tells us that the spiritually mature are those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. We are provided with the compass for what is right and what is wrong. We have been given truth to operate from. And as Christ followers and family, we have a responsibility to honor that. And that will involve making a different kind of judgment. There are judgments that have to take place in our everyday lives. That's part of why the hands-off approach that we talked about before doesn't work. We are active participants here. 
that means that we are called into a firm foundation of truth so that way we will have the wisdom that comes from that that only comes from god to be able to discern what's going on around us that's biblical that's called that's where we are called to be we are not to judge where a person stands with god because we're simply incapable of doing so but to exercise discernment that's rooted in the knowledge of scripture we must be able to discern both good and evil in the actions of ourselves as well as the people around us from there when we do that we grow in wisdom we grow in experience we grow in knowledge and we avoid potentially falling into future problems now pivoting back to what edgar talked about from the second part of matthew 7 we know that there are sheep in wolves clothing we've gone into detail talking about the different versions of false teaching that are rampant in the world people that will either on purpose or out of ignorance of the truth lead people astray with things that are not gospel take a second and understand take a second if you will and think about all of the different preachers that are out there all of the different podcasters all of the different youtubers all the different voices that are out here in this space then i want you to consider just how many there are that are out there that are speaking false doctrine this is the exact reason why having a firm foundation in scripture and relationship with god is so incredibly vital i know that there are people out there that will hear this that 100 percent think that they are living this out they firmly believe that this is the position that they have because that's what a long line of teachings has taught them i don't want to sound like i'm coming down hard on tradition here but i fully and completely understand that there are modes of thought that are circulated that are taught to be within the realm of this that just simply are not praise god that we don't have to go into this blindly we have the scriptures we have open dialogue with god through prayer as well as the privilege of hearing from him if we're willing to stop and actually listen in second peter 2 13 peter tells us that god has given us everything that we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him like edgar said earlier there's a process to all of this wisdom is gained over time the ability of proper discernment is gained over time as experience happen as you grow in your relationship with god as life happens as you grow into your relationship with god as you grow into a firm foundation of truth you will see fruit of that born in your life that message has become my heart fam that 
regardless of whether or not you've judged, whether or not you've gotten this right, you've gotten this wrong, you can lay that at the foot of the cross. I want to point back to God in all of this. This is where this starts. He is the ultimate authority, and something about this has to change and get a different tone when we remember that we are all sinful creatures in desperate need of a savior. I have been told, guys, that I have a Robin Hood complex. I want to be the voice of the voiceless. So yeah, I have an active sense of judgment. So yeah, I have an active opinion on what is justice. And I do have to remind myself that it's not that sense of justice. It's not that judgment that matters. The only authority on this is God. If there's anything that's been brought to my attention, it's that it's very important not to get stuck at the part of, man, I messed this up, or hey, they messed this up. That this is something that can be brought to the cross, can be reconciled, and again, we serve a God who does not seek to hold back from us. Even if we did it wrong the first time, there's every single opportunity to be able to approach God and ask for that wisdom, ask for that understanding and that knowledge, and to be able to embark on that journey with God. That's the beautiful thing about our relationship with him. Our God does not seek to hold back from us. That's the beauty of our relationship with him. And that's the beauty of salvation and grace, that it is for all, regardless. So rather than getting caught in the trap of, oh man, I messed this up, we turn to God. And the more that we turn to God, the more we grow in him and the more we grow as Christians. So Matthew 15 through 20 reads, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. You can make a judgment here by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from a thorn bush? or figs from thistles. A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. So here we have something that is very, very key. And as a matter of fact, I would say that every human being who comes to Christ goes through a metamorphosis where they're learning to give up the old patterns, the old behaviors, the old sins, uh, echoes, if you will, of their former life and become the good tree. It's not an overnight process. And there are people who are just the plain bad tree giving bad fruit, whether it's bitterness, unforgiveness, jealousy, um, arrogance, 
Now you can see I'm not talking about actual sins like murder, adultery, or thieving. I'm talking about the mindset. So we have that thing that's internal that is giving life to our actions and our actions are giving life to death. Um, so that bad tree is bad throughout. God can come and cultivate, because we all start off as bad trees, into good trees. And it's a learned behavior. You get good nutrition, your nitrogen mixes. And there are people that are more well-versed than I am in how to take care of a tree. But the, the idea is don't get stuck on the tree metaphor as much as what is the fruit of their day-to-day -day life. Are they the same as they were five years ago? And they're just continuing in that path. Some people are trapped, and I'll give you an example. A drug addict doesn't want to steal, doesn't want to be homeless until the fix kicks in. They would like to be normal. I, and Maybe not all of them, but a lot of them do. They cannot help themselves, and they need a lot of help. And part of that is prayer, but part of that is action too. Um, I've worked with a couple. I've had known some personally, and the bondage that it is, it is, is real. Would I consider them a bad tree? No. And even at one point, I was still a bad tree. I mean, I went, without going into it, I was judged in such a way that I felt I couldn't even attend church because I was too bad for church. And, and I was made to feel that way. And after several years of working through it, you know, talking with the Lord, I said to myself, and, and I was talking to the Lord, you know, that I would like to be able to sit at the table. And God said to me, why stop at the table? That's God's heart. And what he said to me, he says to other people, it's not just for me. Why stop at something that gets you just to the point of feeling like you're part of something? Go full force into the kingdom of God, make a difference and share it with others. Um, judgment is something that, and I'm gonna say the bad type of judgment, is something I believe, and this is just me, that came up after the fall, after they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. As a matter of fact, we see a judgment, the first judgment after the fall is from Adam. It was the woman that you gave me, God. He judged God. He said, you gave me this imperfect woman. It was her fault, but you gave her to me. He judged God. So this is the first, in my mind, recorded talk of where judgment was poorly used. And we know that didn't go well for Adam, didn't go well for even the rest of humanity. Judgment is never good when you use it to tear somebody down. And we see that in social status, it is pervasive to the human condition. We cannot escape it through our own humanity. We need God. And the best thing we can do is not allow people's words to be our identity. Regardless, whether they're good or bad, we should always let our identity be what God said. If the world hates you and God loves you, you win. If the world loves you and God is not pleased with you, you have nothing.
The only relevant opinion is God. Romans 8.1 says that there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. That includes from each other. And it's important to understand where your identity lies with God. Because what man has to say and what God has to say um, very likely might be two different things, you know. I want to go back to the thought of, of judging um, because it can be a safety net. Parents will judge their children's relationships with other children. You know, this is common in every, and it's not just Christian, but in every society, you know, these people are bad characters. These people are good characters. You can associate with the ones that are good characters not with the bad. So there's kind of a safety things that are going on. Yeah. And I use parents a lot because it's a really good vehicle. Like if a person you deemed um, to be a bad person, you don't want them around your children. And I've been myself in situations where I didn't love certain people around my children. And I was very watchful because I knew their history. So I'll leave it at that. Uh, the thing is, everyone judges. Everyone does. And sometimes, sometimes we, we get it right. Um, sometimes we can get it wrong. So I don't want people to feel overly concerned about they did judgment, they did it wrong. You can, you can give that to the Lord. And you can make right what needs to be made right like say with your wife and your children or your husband and you and any other family relationships you don't have to not make those right um they're very key relationships or whatever you can and that may mean that you're you 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 said out of concern a right thing that came out the wrong way an example would be you you used a name or um, characterization that wasn't correct. So you would want to say, you know what, I was really concerned, but um, I said it the wrong way. But I was really concerned because that person is not a good person in my eyes. So there are things that you can do about that. But what I want to do is I want to talk about that you are meant to eventually, if you do things, and I'm going to put it this way, right, and this is based on a parable, in your your things that you do for the Lord. And I use things as an abstract, whatever the Lord tells you to do. And you don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a pastor or a teacher or anything like that. But you do have to, along the way, teach some people, preach the gospel, and, you know, care for people. So the, the title is irrelevant. It's Advancing the Kingdom of God. But in, in and this is a bit of a sidetrack, but... In, in Luke, at the end of the parable, Luke 16, 17, the first servant reported to the master, I have invested your money and made 10 times the original amount. Well done, the king exclaimed. You're a good servant. You have been faithful with the little, the little I trust, entrusted to you. So you will be a governor of 10 cities as your reward. So he's given a place to rule over and authority now if if you're care careful you will understand 
that he he will he will rule in a particular mindset and that he cared for the things that he was given which was small according to the king that he handled it with a careful judicious treatment of it and as the ruler or the governor in this translation says of over 10 cities he's going to rule in a certain way and and i think this is a good way for us to bear in mind if we're going to judge we should do it this way and i lean on a famous passage galatians 5 22 23 but the holy spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control there's no law against these things so if you judge with this fruit pouring out of your actions your words your demeanor and everything you will get it right because it is the holy spirit that's producing this if you judge from a point of self it's going to be a lot less good and you can go to many extremes on that but the idea is not to evade or try to mm, abdicate responsibility of properly judging because it's like it's an attribute or characteristic you do need to survive in the real world and by real world i mean the temporary corrupt one that is going to go away soon or and then into eternity you're going to need it so that you can you can rule as god gives you and not everybody received 10 cities um with what you do with god what you do with his things that really goes into your eternal reward now there is that aspect of reward it's not everybody gets a trophy i know that that's a popular thing and and mind you i never understood that because the trophies that i always got were <laughs> you know you could get them at a nickel and dime store but you know it was a sense of a, accomplishment for a child so it was good but do do your best effort for the for the lord because in that if you learn to judge properly you are going about your father's business this is what christ at 12 years had spoken of at, when he was in the temple and he was missing for three days um he was about his father's business and part of that probably at 12 was judging things that you know people would come and say oh so and so did this and so and so did that which one is right and he was putting out a judgment much like solomon would so judgment is not a terrible thing there's a stigma about it poorly used judgment can really be damaging to the recipient but what we don't realize it damages us too because we stay in a rotten uh, fruit bearing tree. God wants you to be the good fruit. And how is that done? By listening to God and following him, pursuing him and giving up the old man. Odds are, if you are a Bible, if you treat what God says in the Bible as though he spoke it to you directly, you may be a lot better off than if you were to think of it as a book that's been handed to you. And what I'm trying to say here is that intimacy with the Bible, intimacy with the words that were written, intimacy with God who spoke those words 
many time, many, many years ago, as though he's speaking to you right now, can be key into saying, you know what, this has value. And that will take different shape and different kinds of look. Um, and I know I'm doing a poor job in saying, you need this. Right now in our society and globally, I'm talking about, there's so many changes rapidly happening that Jesus said that he is the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. And that we know that that's true of God. He's been calling for us and pulling for us ever since the fall. He's prepared a place. God is to be honored as holy. We are to love him above all. Then we're to love our fellow man. And then we're to destroy the works of the enemy. So we can see in all these stages, if you will, there's a proper place for judgment. Never will it be acceptable in God's eyes to say, you know what, you messed up. You're just a loser. You're a loser like your father. You're a loser like his father before him. You come from a long line of losers. Okay. You know, or a boss saying, you know what? You're like the dumbest employee I have. You can't get one single thing right. And mind you, you could not get one single thing right. But his judgment is speaking to your mental um, acuity, how smart you are. And part of it is maybe you didn't get a clear idea of what you needed to do in order to do it. So these words can be very damaging. And it can come from any relationship. So how do you guard yourself against this? And I would probably say, let's go back to the fruit of the spirit. If we're to love somebody, do we have to put it in, when we look at it as, as God says to love your fellow man as you love yourself? Now we talked about this in various forms and it comes out quite often in the episode. If you don't love yourself, you're, you're at a point where you're not capable of loving other people, but that love is born out of your love for God. It is not a self-love. It is God showing you how he loves you. And then you say, you know what? I get it now. You know, peace. There are times when I get somebody, what's the word, coming at me? Um, and I just say, you know what? Your words don't land. That may not be the best statement, by the way. But what I'm telling them is whatever they're saying is not going to take root. I don't think it's a perfect way to say that. There's probably a lot better ways. Um, but when when you're in a moment, you always want to watch what you say. And sometimes what you say is as good as it can come out without being worse. So, But kindness. I mean, these are all fruits of the Spirit. This is showing that the Holy Spirit is producing the fruit in you. You're not generating this. This is coming out of your relationship with the Lord. So as you learn this, you realize that there are going to be a lot of negative people. And I know that some people have given testimony where they were berated and how they responded to the person in love caused that person to stop and think, say, you know what? I have to apologize. I just flipped on you and I don't know why. And out of there, God plants a seed. Well, actually, let me take it back a different way. You, someone planted a seed, you watered, but it was God that made that grow. 
it finally started to grow. So how you respond to judgment against you, it's very key. And I'll go back to the story I had given um, earlier about, you know, being in a church where I didn't fit in. I was too bad to be part of them. Uh, I remember moving out of New York City and thinking to myself, I was fleeing to find God as I drove over the bridge into Jersey. And it was a long journey to get to the deep level that I was going. It would probably, I want to say 11 years to find the beginning of what I call my uh, 3D Christianity, going from 2D to 3D. Um, but I needed something. Something had to be a starting point. Something had to be... I needed something in my life to make me hold on to God. And it took that shape. And now for some people, they can fall away from that. They can let the judgment overwhelm them. They could go to drinking, um, drugs, or even worse, suicide. If the church won't have them, what hope do they have? Now, that sounds like I judged the church, and maybe I did, but my thought here is we need to really think of the person as God thinks of them. And God looks at a person as, I, I think, probably in every way, in the same way for everyone. The blood of Christ was spilled for that person. And that person has to understand the message clearly enough so that he can say yes or no without any thought of um, lack of understanding. And unfortunately, that doesn't always take place. And part of that is because we say, you know, you are, you are a queer that's going to hell, die of AIDS and go away. Um, or we can even say, you know what, you're just a drug addict. God can't save you because you won't help yourself. Uh, you know, you're a deadbeat dad. You know, you disappear on your kids. Why don't you just go away and never get involved in their lives again? Because you're no use to them. You're not even a man. Now, these are all... I would like to say they're extreme cases, but they're probably not. Um, does judgment have a place in the house of God. Not that type of judgment. We should never hold back the gospel from anyone. We should deliver it in truth, in love, and a great deep amount of caring for the individual. Because this is their eternity that we are, we are being given into our hands right now. Are we gonna water? Are we gonna plant the seed? Are we going to let God the opportunity to make it grow? If not through us, then through somebody else. And there will come a point in time where we will have to say to the Lord why we did what we did. Maybe we don't say it because it'll be pretty evident. Maybe God knows exactly and we just, for lack of a better phrase, get what we deserve. And that might be nothing. I know we um, took a took a bit of a of a long way around the Bible and different hitting different parts of this, but you know, Edgar, you asked a question. 
does judgment have a place in the house of God? Um, First Thessalonians five is one example. Um, Hebrews is another example. Matthew is another example. Proper judgment, discernment, yes, that that does have that does have a place. That is a responsibility that we are that we are called into. Um, but there is a version of judgment that exists in humanity that um, is not fit for the house of God. And, and wrapping this up, rather than getting caught there and just talking about how many times humanity's gotten it wrong, the goal here is to point back to God, to point people back to God. You know, whether or whether you are somebody who has gotten it wrong or somebody who has been on the receiving end of somebody getting it wrong there's still God. And if you're a person that's struggling with your identity, maybe somebody has spoken something over you or you've been at the, at, on the receiving end of condemnation, all of that, just understand that the only person who, person's um, point of view on your identity that matters is God's. And that, that, is, what is, that, that is what needs to be at the, at the core of what you hold to be true about yourself. And that's a process that, you know, Edgar was talking about loving yourself because God shows you how to love. That's a, that's, that's a, a process getting there. That's not something that is like, a, you know, the switch flips and suddenly, oh, you're there and you suddenly love yourself to pieces. I, I still have yet to see a, a, a flip switch for me. Right, right. Unless it's really very slow and takes years. Then that's <laughs> happened, you know, over a course of decades. Right. Um, and, and, and just if, if this is something that you have struggled with, again, hear me that I didn't come out of this one unscathed myself community. Like this isn't something that, that this is something that God had to show me as well as anybody else who's hearing this. So if this is something that you've struggled with, take it to God because God does not seek to hold back. He's not going to hold it over your head or wag his finger. Mm -hmm. Father God, I thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence, Father. I thank you that you love the entire world. The human population is something you adore and that you gave your son's life. That Jesus willingly went onto the cross, not to judge Father, but to save the world. The judgment comes later for those who turned away and decided, no, I don't want any part of that. Father God, I pray that none of those people would be the listeners who are listening to us speak right now, Father. We're not important, but what you have to say is important, Father, that you would cause to grow what was already pre-planted and pre-watered. Father, that they would turn to you and say, I love you, Father. I need you. I want you. Help me to be more like you, holy and loving. And give me the words to say and help me to start over. And I don't know what I'm doing with my life. It's a mess. And that you would one day tell them, well done. Enter into the joy of the Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Thanks for tuning in to Buddy Walk with Jesus. For more information, check us out at buddywalkwithjesus.com. Look for us on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. You can also find us on Discord at the Buddy Walk community for prayer and fellowship. And lastly, if you check out the episode description, we have a listener support link and we would love your support for this ministry. As always, know that you are prayed for and know that you are loved.